The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. Recording. Top Hunter. Or Selby. Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, a Red Dwarf review podcast regularly hosted by myself, Adam Martin, and my co-host as always... Phil Hawkins. That's right, and today we are kicking off Series 6 of Red Dwarf, but we're also joined by a special guest. Introducing Dominic G. Martin. Hello, Dom. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you, sir? Not bad. Not bad at all. Nice to have a nice breather doing this. Uh, this This is cool. Yeah, a lot of our guests have said that, haven't they, Phil? Like, it, they find it a nice breather to talk, talk about, about something a bit different. Uh, Red yeah. Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for, if you're new here, well, welcome. But for anyone who's listened before, you'll know that uh, Phil has been a viewer for many years. He's seen Red Dwarf several times, a lot of it on broadcast. This is my first time as a as a viewer. I've never seen Red Dwarf before. Don't know how. Don't ask. It just didn't clock my radar. Um, so it's all about different perspectives. So, Dom, where are you on that scale then? What's your relationship or history with Red Dwarf? <laughs> I'm even further downward than you, Adam. I'm oh, I haven't no. watched I've barely watched any Red Dwarf. So this was <laughs> however, I have I do know of its cultural relevance and how mm. it is enriched in UK culture and sci fi, etc. I know it's a very popular show that has been ex- has its own cult following, etc. And it's still been going almost to this day really after the revival on, on what was it dave yeah yeah. Uh, yeah there was an episode last year in fact yeah last year so it's it's a really cool show that i've always wanted to get into but i've just never it's just never i've never had the time and i've always gotten distracted like i can say i can do start a rewatch tomorrow but then i'll end up getting caught on my other rewatch of star trek d space nine so <laughs> And you need to be quick on that, because at the time of recording, it's leaving Netflix, isn't it? In like a day or a few days or... I believe so. Yes. Or, 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 or yeah. Trek. Right, fine. Netflix. By the time this episode goes out, it's probably already gone. Oh, five seasons to go. I know. I'm the same. I'm on 10G, which I think is the only one that's staying. <laughs> Where's Who it knows? going? I don't know. Amazon Prime? I got Amazon Prime. What do you want from me, capitalism? What do you want it's from like me? It's like the panic we had when um, when this Red Dwarf left Netflix. And we were like, oh no, where are we going to watch it? And we went two different routes. Adam bought the Blu-ray and I uh, went to BritBox. That makes sense. Oh, I'm going to have to buy a Deep Space Nine Blu-ray collection, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, bless your heart. Well, if you can't watch uh, any Star Trek because it's not available anywhere... Just sign up to BritBox and watch Red Dwarf instead. I've, uh, that, well, to be fair, I have got a BritBox oh, subscription. Easy. So there you go. I can now have something as a, a second <laughs> thing to watch on BritBox apart from Absolutely. classic Doctor Who. Another marathon to an already even long marathon with classic Who. But I mean, Dom, mate, we're more than happy to have you here. And don't worry, you may have only seen a handful of episodes, but that's how I started, and we mainly just talk about our different opinions on each episode. So. This will be fun. And today, folks, as mentioned, we're doing Series 6, start of a brand new season, Series 6, Episode 1, which is titled Sirens, spelt P-S-I for Sirens. And the synopsis uh, reads as follows. 200 years after investigating the SSS Esperanto, the crew awake from suspended animation aboard Starbug with amnesia and find that their mothership Red Dwarf is missing. And that's all I'll say on that for now. The synopsis I'm reading goes... 
reveals quite a lot, but I feel we'll get there when we get there. But that's a tantalizing glimpse for you anyway. This is a moment that we uh, that I've been kind of teasing that is coming to yeah. you, haven't I, Adam? That, that there's going to be a series predominantly set or all set on Starbuck, the little runaround that they've got because they lose the ship and we've finally reached yes, that point. Yes, this is the... Apparently, Dom, there's a point where, for whatever reason, well, I don't know yet, for whatever reason, they're, they're not on Red Dwarf itself, the ship. So how was that for you then, watching this? Did you think, like, oh, why aren't they on the ship that the show's named after? Or <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I was wondering, oh, okay, so this is like they're spending the entire episode on a runabout in DS9 <laughs> parlance. Uh, but yeah, I was, it was, I guess... Not, it didn't throw me out too much because I haven't seen that much sure. of Red Dwarf anyway, so I just kind of adjusted yeah. to the setting. I mean, the Starbug itself still had a pretty decent set, I'd say. It's it, still pretty large. It was a bigger set than, than it had been last series. They've definitely expanded Starbug because there were different levels on it. There were some stairs mm. that went somewhere. There was an extra door at the back of the set uh, that wasn't there before. So this is a, this is a bigger Starbug than we've yeah. had before. Mm. Obviously, because they're going to be set mainly on it, that they've decided to splash a bit of cash yes. around and upgrade the set somewhat. How they explain that in universe? Well, I mean, they don't explain <laughs> it in universe. They just they just what, want us to accept it as they often yeah, do. Yeah, one on thing the show. about this show, Dom, is there's been several continuity things established, and then the next episode, it's either not talked about or it's written away in a thrown away gag. And it's 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 Red Dwarf. It's fun. you know, like with Doctor Who, sometimes it, we get we can get very pernickety with continuity. This it, this is not mm. like that. This is not the show for that. <laughs> this is not the show to take notice of uh, continuity and canon. Well, and all it's, that, it's I half and half, isn't it, Phil? Because there are some moments where it absolutely sticks to its continuity and refers. It refers to yeah, things. Yeah, sometimes from, like, they'll reference back, something that, and then yeah. there's other big things. It's just like, nah, forget about that. And so, oh, I mean, sure. we kick things off. We see what appears to be Lister waking up from a cryo sleep. He's got. Even more hair than normal and very long nails, which I'm sure would make some members of the audience a bit, a bit clenchy teeth time. Because I know people who really don't like. It's a thing, isn't it? Some pe- there's uh, there's probably a, t- a scientific name, but it's a name, isn't it, for like fear of long nails? I think something like that. I have not heard of that. I've never heard of one. Oh, I've I've had a few mates who are like, oh, like don't like even when they're not like that long in the show, but just long, they don't like it. So anyway, tangent. So. Uh, we see we see him go around. He doesn't seem to know who he is. We see Crichton pop in and who's taking out the trash. And uh, I've got to say, the cube he gets, you know, from compacting the trash gave me instant memories to that scene in Monsters, Inc. I don't, I can't think of the scene you mean. Uh, I have seen Monsters, Inc. But it, it's when he thinks, it's when Sully thinks Boo's been like trashed, in uh, the, you know, okay. and he holds the cube. And oh, yeah, I, I don't oh, know why. Yeah. Random little pop memory. But um. Yeah, as, you're, as you say, though, Phil, the Starbug set is looking really lavish, really atmospheric, probably more than it ever has done. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, Dom, what was your impression of the set, considering this is like an early, ni- you know, early 90s BBC sci-fi comedy show? It was roughly on par of what you would see in like a standard star uh, starship set in, say, 80s Doctor mm. Who, I'd say. Um, it, it, it was low budget, you could tell didn't have necessarily the gleam or the glamour but the show is not it doesn't seem to need that aesthetic it generally seems to want to come across as gritty and uh bit grotty and yeah. bit nasty 
um, in terms of its set design. And I thought it worked its purpose, to be honest. I I really do quite like the set. Yeah. It's practical. Yeah, very practical. You're talking about it being uh, gritty and uh, messy. Um, you might not know this, but Red Dwarf itself, the big, the biggest ship that they've lost, is a mining ship. So that that is absolutely, mm. I think, the aesthetic they're going for. That they, you know, it's it's a mining ship, so it's meant to mm. be a bit dirty. Things get dirty because it's, it's doing manual labor of mining and things. So it's uh, that fits in quite well. Um, the I was going to say the uh, the stasis situation where he comes out of stasis. I don't why. Why does he have long hair and long fingernails this time? If he's been in stasis, stasis yeah. <laughs> but because the, the the original premise of the show, Dom, I don't know if you know this bit, is that in the very first episode, the whole of the crew gets wiped out by a radiation leak. But Dave Lister happens to be in stasis at the time as a kind of punishment, so he survives and gets woken up after by the computer after three million years. So he's the last human alive, basically. And then the the hologram of Rimmer gets turned on and then they find the cat and they gradually build up the crew. But uh, but that time he came out and he was just looking exactly the same way as he went in. But here he's grown lots of hair and lots of fingernails. So is it a different type of stasis? Who knows? Again, I'm nitpicking on (laughs) stuff that the... The show doesn't care yeah. about because it's doing it for a joke. I think, yeah, I think they mainly went for the yeah. gag on that one. I think, but I get what you mean. Like when you establish it, you'd think, oh, why has he done it? But I mean, it's only there for gags, isn't it? It doesn't last very long, that whole long hair, long nail aesthetic. It's it's dispensed with pretty no. quickly. What I like about his amnesia is the bit where he's absolutely disgusted by things that are his own behavior. Yes. Because when... Crichton is going like serves him up food and he's like he takes a drink bit of the drink and it's he's expecting orange juice but it's actually last night's curry or something oh, the like chilled that like, Why? Sauce. that's disgusting yeah. like, no that's your favorite i did admit i can usually hack a lot of stuff but when he said it was chilled vindaloo sauce that i don't know what it was that sent me a bit i was like that is grim like that is... yeah i was thinking when i heard that i was like what yeah. sort of monster are you well a great impression for the show for you dom like what well, you're a monster there's a lot of in this yeah. scene there's a lot of sort of talking about stuff that's previously happened on the show they reference kachansky yeah. and various other things and i read that the this was all put in there to kind of establish the show for people that might be new to it so this is quite a good episode for you to come in on dom because it was this whole scene was designed to introduce new people to the show that might not have seen it before so did that did that work for you did you feel Mm. suitably introduced to the basic concept and who the character was and and all that sort of stuff from it yeah i mean i perfectly got easily that uh lister was a bit of a strange (laughs) chap that just regained his memory i mean onion on cornflakes um but yeah the way it introduced the characters and their dynamics introduced their character dynamics i thought was very effective uh for me as a new viewer with i mean putting aside what i did know of the show beforehand um i would say that it's easily um i guess an 11th hour Mm. to put it in a certain type of parlance to introduce people to the show again. So I thought it was quite enjoyable. I mean, I didn't feel like I'd missed out on too much, even though I really, <laughs> really have. Uh, but yeah, I thought it yeah. was quite good. Yeah. 
It was a very clean introduction. I, I agree with your sentiment for the most part, Dom, except that, you know, Lister gets that reintroduction, you know, from Stasis. We see Rimmer reformed as a hologram and some of his traits. Mm. We, we sort of get reintroduced to Crichton that he's the sort of, you know, man about the ship, if you like, who does all the yeah. dirty work. Cat just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it, the, the scene cuts and it's like, oh, we're all sat at the table now. And I must admit, it did annoy me a bit because it's been a running thing on this show where, I mean, we've both said, haven't we, Phil? That a lot of times, at least at this point, the cat character seems to get, not sidelined, but he just gets like the least to do. Like he just gets the odd one-liner, mm. which is fine in itself, you know, comedic relief. But it seems so often he doesn't really get much. And I just... I, it, I just found it sad that, you know, all these, all, the other three sort of get that reintroduction and Cat, you know, Cat's just here. We don't know what he's been he's doing. Just, yeah, Do you yeah know I, mean, I assume he's well? been like, in we... some kind of stasis as well, but we don't get that same reintroduction to his characteristics. Even with Rimmer, yeah. we get it like, even though it's via exposition from Crichton is like, oh, uploading arrogance, uploading charisma. And it's like this tiny little bit at the tip of his finger. And, uh, you know, we get his personality traits via dialogue there. But we just don't get anything mm. for Cat, which is, uh, yeah, like you no, say, a bit of a shame. And I assume Crichton has just been true. I just, meandering around the ship for 200 years, dusting yeah. and stuff. When Rimmer yeah. is um, being yeah. reformed, or when he says he's going to reform Rimmer, uh, I did like the fact that Dave he's a hologram. goes, Rimmer, he's my best mate, isn't he? And, and Crichton's just like, sir, you are sick. <laughs> yeah it was sweet in a way like we've talked that, that they have these moments every now and then where it's like they are because like they're an old married couple you know they bicker all the time mm. they disagree but almost like deep down there is that little level of like respect or whatever it, they just don't show it often i think so when he said that even though yeah he's like, they're kind of like siblings yeah. that bicker a yeah. lot and get on each other's nerves yeah i thought that i thought yeah. that line was sweet that's sort of Sort of the bond between Odo and Quark in DS9 again. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that, bringing it all, I like that. Always bringing it back to DS9. See how many similarities. There. I'm obsessed with it, mate. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it's a good show to be obsessed with. It's my favourite Star Trek show. Always That's pretty good. Fair. Um, Rimmer has a new outfit. Yeah, I don't like it. Adam, I what do you think? Like you don't no. like it? <laughs> I, I'm so not petty. a fan of it as well. Um, no. It's, it's, I generally, this is the one I refer to as the quilt. It is, it is because a quilt. It's basically a, a duvet yeah. quilt thing with the little pocket, the you one, know, padded. He had, he had, so the one he had before this was like, was still like that red trimming, but it was actually like, it was almost like a, well, not velvet, but it was just, it looked very nice, I thought. And then the one before that, well, the same material, but green, that was my favorite. The green outfit, love that. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know why they made it quilted. It just looks, it just looks a bit odd. It's, it's a bit yeah, odd, isn't it? it's just it? a bit. Yeah, so no, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. That might sound so petty, but I really don't. Um, but like you said, this is like a sort of reintroductory episode because we basically then have a debrief around the table of what the hell's happened. Uh, we found we find out that Red Dwarf uh, has been taken by... Uh, was it? They don't mention, do they? They just say someone, don't they? Or some being. Well, yeah, I think they just got back to where they left it and it, it wasn't, wasn't there. there. So, uh, and they've I, picked up this vapor trail. That's it, yeah. The vapor trail. Um, that they've been following for 200 years. But they are slower than Red Dwarf, I think, mm. at this point. Um, which I'm not sure that makes sense either, <laughs> because ha otherwise, how would they have always gotten back to Red Dwarf? Because they also mentioned that Red Dwarf is always moving and therefore. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, that, that we're doesn't asking matter all anyway. the they've wrong lost questions. It. It's not there. <laughs> it's not there. Okay. They've lost it. They've, they've managed to lose it down the back of the sofa. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, and exactly. we get a little and bit. We get, of, we get the space directive gag. Crichton, you're forgetting about Space Tour Directive One Seven Four Two. One Seven Four Two. No member of the corps should ever report for duty in a ginger toupee. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, well, I mean, early on, Don, what are you thinking about the? dynamic between these characters when you're seeing them have this this meeting like did you enjoy i guess like how they all interacted with each other oh yeah i i I could easily tell some of the character dynamics like obviously lister and rimmer not necessarily the best of friends Mm -hmm. uh crichton has got that sort of almost um (laughs) inane um ability to just be somewhat charming and innocent the same way um and Cat is just sassy. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, referring to what you said back early about Cat as well. Yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't get a vibe. But I know him. I don't really sure. know him. I don't know much about him. I don't even know why he's there, uh, or what he even is. Yeah. So yeah, I would say they probably failed a bit on that front in reintroducing him. But his interactions still kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. What I do like about the cat. It, there's one little bit that I think they used the cat well in, and that is they sort of introduce him as the navigator because of his sense of smell having evolved from a cat. So he has these enhanced senses. And that's kind of a, a placement that he has going forward on the ship. He's Whenever they're on Starbug, he's there at the front being one of the two main people steering the ship because because he's got these enhanced senses and i think this is the first time they've really mentioned that okay. so that was kind of nice yeah. okay neat little t- but i get what you're saying don there isn't much and even just thinking of the past five series we only really know cat from that very first episode i think when he appears like why he's there and they make the occasional reference but no there's there's never that much time i guess in the same way that rimmer and lister and even Crichton have had like their backstories or that developed in the past five seasons. We haven't really had the same for Cat so far, have we? Not really. I mean, he was he's a bit better used after series two because the first two series, he really just felt like an extra yeah. who would pop on for the occasional funny line. Yeah. And the last few series, he, they, they make use of him more. He's more than just a one-trick pony type. Mm. The same joke over and over again, which he was for the first two, year, two seasons. Um. But he's he's still a lot less used than the others, I think. Yes. Yeah, no, I'd agree. It, who that. knows? I mean, it might change now because uh, from this point on, of course, we have technically one less regular cast member because we've sadly lost Holly with the ship. Holly yes, is the computer. the ship's computer. Um, yeah. Who originally in the first yeah. two years, paid by Norman Lovett, then replaced by Hattie Herridge in the next three series. And now lost. That's that's it. Now no more Hattie Hayridge. That was that was a big shame, but alas, I'm going to try not and think about it too much. Yeah, <laughs> I think she was <laughs> often they... underused. Um, yes. uh, but when they did give her stuff to do, she was really good. She was. But they decide. Well, they want Holly back because they want to get Red Dwarf back. So they have to navigate Starbug through an asteroid field, making use of a what I describe as a, a trash a trash cannon or something like that, wasn't it? It was a mix of all the trash to blow up the asteroid. Yeah, because they previously mentioned that they didn't have any weapons on board, so they've been very ingenious in developing their own by using the trash compactor and the trash chute to just fire stuff as yes. a cannon. I like that. 
exactly. It was quite devastating, really. Yeah. Blown up by asteroids. I was just like, wow, that's, that's effective. Exactly. What are they? What trash do they have? <laughs> well, with some of Lister's items, I'm, yeah, something very powerful and very toxic. But hey, Star Wars, take note. You got all them trash compactors. You could. You could be using that for better things, you know, as seen in this show. But they manage to navigate through the field and they stumble across a sort of ship graveyard in the hopes of finding Red Dwarf. And they send out their little scouter to see what's going on. And um, they come across a a black box from a previous ship. And Mm. we see this man, uh, that he has fallen victim to a siren. Uh... Yeah, what do we think of the sirens then in their true sort of insectoid form? Oh, they reminded me of the Fomasi. <laughs> Did the you you mentioned Fomasi? So <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that just that hulking form to them, but with obviously more insect insectoid bits and pieces. But ultimately, that was just that was surreal. I thought that scene in particular was really funny, though. I have to I have to say, yeah. and the guy being like. Um, you squirted all the ketchup from my burger yeah. <laughs> instead of the blood. That was really clever because you just instantly think, is this a horror? Oh, it's gone horror. Oh, wait, no, it hasn't. And then you see his brains coming and then you're like, oh, it has. There yeah, it go. has. Yeah. It's one go. of the things the Red Dwarf does really well is that they set something up and then they undercut it with some humor that mm. works really well. Like they, they do a really good job of establishing a horror vibe when they're describe with the guy describing you know when they're describing the dead person on the floor and how what he's done with his entrails and how he spelled out the word and stuff and then seeing the the crew member on the black box uh you know be terrified by this huge creature and then the straw and the ketchup completely undercuts it but it works so well that the way that does that yeah yeah, oh, it really yeah, did. It does. And it's nice that still, at this point in time, 1993, we're still seeing aliens, you know, practical costumes. We haven't taken that awkward leap into 90s CGI just yet. Because I know, Phil, you've said at some point they dabble in CGI. That might be in the later seasons, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think it might be series seven and eight. Because there is a, after this series, there is a there was a three-year real-world gap before right. series seven. Okay. So I think that's possibly mm. when they when they make the uh the leap it was a long wait because this is the series that i started watching as it oh. went out live for the first time so oh, wow 1993 yeah I, think I was about eight um and so i was watching it then and then it ended and i had a like three year wait <laughs> to the next series and i'd only just started watching it so that was very oh, frustrating no. so so I'll talk about that more in the last episode sure series, sure but... but was was this the first episode you ever watched then did you start well i as i my memory isn't that clear um but i do remember that it was this series oh. i can't remember if i managed to catch this episode first or if it was if it was a different episode of this series but it was definitely this series cuz i remember then it ending uh, and having the long way. Yeah, well, maybe something will spark as we go, but we learn pretty quickly that these sirens are very much, I guess, a sort of a take on the traditional siren you'd hear on pirate ships and stuff, mm. a, a temptress who was able to manipulate the mind uh, uh, for their own evil ends. And Except these are insects. <laughs> they can masquerade as yeah. uh, women, and they start to play that effect on the boys from the dwarf uh, with Cat First very easily swayed, <laughs> um, what was that? I loved all that sort of overacting, you know. Oh, everything's been destroyed, and there's there's less than three thousand of us left. All like, women. I know it's played up. Yeah, it's all played up. Seed spreaders. Yes, they need their seed spreaders. 
<laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you, if you needed more info on Cat's character, Dom, I mean, there it was. You know, he's just... As that comes up, he's he's there. He is absolutely uh, ready perpetu- to fall for it straight away, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perpetually horny. Yes, Pre- pretty say. much. Yeah, that is a that is a good submission. <laughs> yeah, but they all well, he falls for it pretty quickly, and then on Lister we see Kachansky, who I believe Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, is played by the same actress yes. who played her uh, in series one and two. So it's been quite a while since we've seen her, and it's only a little cameo role. But this uh, Dom, I don't know how aware of Kachansky you were. This is sort of. Lister's love interest he had before the rest of the crew got wiped out. They were a thing. They were. It was. A, it was complicated. And yeah, they. I mean, Crichton uh, gives the history of it at the beginning of the episode because yeah. he talks about Kachansky. Then he's like, I love the line that it like it was your ambition. You know, he talks about how they they were together for three weeks. They split up, and then he said it was. It's your ambition, sir. Somehow, someday, to win her back, and then lie on top of her and move up and down rapidly in that <laughs> curious way that humans find so agreeable. That was. Hell of a line. Good double entendre. Yeah, great line. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise as well. I think the captain we see before Kachansky comes into, you know, the one who gets shot down, I believe, if I read the credits right, is played by uh, Anita Dobson of um, EastEnders and Married to Brian May fame, I believe. Indeed, yeah. So that's a nice little, nice little cameo for any soap fans out there. Even though she's only on screen for about ten seconds before being killed, I'm sure she loved that. So, <laughs> and interestingly, linking into that, the um, the moment later when Lister was playing need needed to play the guitar well, uh, mm. a version of Lister needed to play the guitar well. They did ask Brian May to be the close up of that of oh. the hands playing it. Oh. Uh, but he declined because he said his hands wouldn't look anything like Lister's. So he I mean, yeah. yeah. At least he realised that, and it didn't. Yeah, yeah. So. You'd, you'd think that the the production team would know that as well. But maybe they were just so enamoured with the possibility of having Brian May play the guitar on. Yes, yeah, <laughs> on they, their show. They didn't necessarily think the fact the factors all. They through. did not, not no. at all. But um. We do get a little continuity nod to Lister's two sons, Jim and Bexley. Kachansky references them. They've popped up before. Um, so again, all these little continuity things they like to acknowledge, and then so much of it they just throw out the way. This is Red Dwarf, Dom. <laughs> and you just have to... I've learned you just have to roll with it. Roll with what they give you. Um, Sounds fair. But they decide they've got to they've got to get out. They've got to get out of there. And... Um, they come against a fireball, a fiery asteroid that is heading towards them. But um, Crichton quickly deduces that this has to be an illusion, right? Because Cat can't smell anything. There's nothing on the radar. And this led to what is is a potential funniest moment for me is when it passes through and Crichton goes, smug mode. <laughs> and that just goes on. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love that so much. <laughs> I loved when he said Lymo. Yes, Lymo. Yes, yeah. Lymo. Yes. I also really like the bit in that uh, where he's uh, he's he's uh, uh, is he asked, "Would you stake your reputation on it or something?" No, he says, "I would stake my reputation yeah. on it." Crichton, you haven't got a reputation. No, but I'm hoping to acquire one from this escapade. <laughs> Lots of great little lines in there, and the, the timing of it as well of these guys is always brilliant. Um, but a second fireball comes, it's entirely real, and it grounds Starbug. And before I wrote it in my notes, because this has been another recurring thing, I knew thing, you were going to reference this. Starbug is 
uh, crashed, destroyed, uh, everything all the time. And somehow they keep getting new ones. And I was about to write in my notes again, you know, for the upteenth time, Starbug is grounded. But then, <laughs> but then they... They got they, there before you. <laughs> they got there before me. And the line that clinched it was, Starbucks crashed more times than a ZX81. That was a beautiful joke, a beautiful dig on old computers. And for me, mm. that ju- that made me very happy, very happy indeed. Because they're self-aware, goddammit. They know that they're doing this, but... Um, yeah, because God forbid. Which Starbug is this, Phil? What? What? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Who knows? Oh, there have God. been this so many. This isn't a first time I mean, thing, Dom. This, there, this has happened several there times. Are some, it's crashed many times. There are at least, I think, two occasions where in the plot line, they get back to the ship another way. So presumably they've left Starbug behind. Mm. But who knows? It's a, You know... Red Dwarf is a big ship. Red Dwarf is miles long. They could have yeah. like 20 Starbucks for a we know. Yeah, that's true. And true. they keep getting access. That to would also explain the difference in the set as well. If this is a completely different Starbuck to the ones we've seen before. It abso- yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, just want to ask Dom, obviously you, 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 you would have noticed in this episode that there's a lot of model shots used in this one. So what yes, did you think of yes. all the model work? Well, I thought they were quite good. They were very uh, reminded me uh, a bit of Jerry Anderson shows, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, we've said we've... that before. Yeah, yeah, especially there wasn't really one in this one, but if you see any that have, well, there was the shot when the uh, the Starbug took a direct hit to the yes. front. Yes. And burst into flames at the front. That reminded me a lot of Thunderbird 2's yes. damage in uh, the Terror of New York, uh, Terror in New York City, in, in Thunderbirds. Yeah. Uh, and I really thought that was a very Nicely handled shot, to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen quite a bit of the, the model shorts of Red Dwarf itself, mm-hmm. and that always gave me vibes of the uh, the big ship in Trial of the Time Lord. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. That lovely, like, panning shot of it going across, yeah. Well, yeah, but that for a whole series. <laughs> While we're on models, uh, it would be a good time to mention the story that I read. That apparently the whole plot of this season of losing red dwarf came about because they dropped the model of red dwarf and it broke and that (laughs) gave the writers the idea i don't know if they did it as a practical like oh well let's not bother rebuilding this or if it was just a hey that's a good idea we could do a whole season without or more seasons without that and uh apparently how the idea was formed Oh. And here is me thinking that it was a link to some series five cliffhanger or something. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> no. This show doesn't do they, linking they, continuity. So. They ended series five with no cliffhanger no. at all. It was just it was just the end of a regular episode, and then suddenly this starts, and they've lost the ship. Yeah, I think. It, well, I know with the end of series five, basically ends like in the most, I guess, generic, straightforward way possible. Like they've got out of the jam, and they go right let's go as in you know onward to new adventures and then it ends um i did read that apparently this season was a bit rushed in terms of uh the bbc wanted another series the next year and the writers were like eh, well you know we want a bit more time but the bbc were like no we want we want it we want it next year so i don't know maybe that account accounts for like you say, partly accounts for the idea that Red Dwarf's not there. They were like, well, what the hell do we do? Oh, like something extreme. Let's scrap Red Dwarf. Yeah. And actually thinking about that, thinking about the fact that there was no link between the end of last season and, and this one. I, I remember as a kid 
watching this being my first series and that they've lost Red Dwarf and I and me knowing that this other ship existed, maybe from just like seeing clips of it or whatever. And then thinking, oh, I need to find I need to watch the episode where they lose it one day. And for mm. years, just ah. seeing repeats of old episodes, because I because I, they would occasionally repeat stuff and I'd occasionally catch an episode that was before this series, especially in the three year gap between the end of this one and the next one. And I I kept on thinking, well, when am I going to see the episode where they lose Red Dwarf? And it just never came. Mm. So, And occasionally they'd like have to, because we've had episodes where they've had to like quickly leave Red Dwarf because of a radiation leak or something like that. And I thought, oh, is this the time where they've had, to, where they lose it? And no, no, they get back there by the end of the episode. <laughs> and I just remember all like for years thinking, I just haven't seen that episode yet. It's somewhere in the past and I have not seen it, but no, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, just, just, it never happened. It's the what's it? The Mandela effect. That's it. The Mandela yeah. effect. Yeah, because also there's bits in the like credits of some earlier seasons. I think uh, where like Starbug is leaving the docking bay, but in a rush and crashes into the side of the mm. the doors as it's exiting and stuff. So I thought I was convinced that that scene must be from when they had to leave Red Dwarf right, and lost okay. it for years. And yeah, nope. Nope, never happened. Nope. But, but what did happen was oh. uh, Starbug's grounded and uh, Lister goes out to fix the damage when he comes across a beautiful woman. Uh, Dom, what did you think of this whole scene and the and the reveal at the end of it? Oh, that was... Oh, I could see where it was yeah. going a mile off. But the reveal was glorious because he was in a full-on snog. Yep. Oh, I mean, there's the line that... What was it? You, um, you want to turn my butt into a giant peach oh, or something yeah. like that something along those lines yeah. it's just like wow how vivid are these yeah. people <laughs> no subtlety whatsoever absolutely yeah oh god it was and then you see him all snogging oh. the insectoid and it's all around his yeah. mouth and it's so grim and then there's the straw <laughs> yep. and and then i i loved that they did another fake out straight after with uh, the Crichton. Uh, being like, no, it's mine, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then <laughs> calling him Dave, which I thought was a very, <coughs> very sly way to uh, handle that usual, something's not quite right, Trey. Yes, yeah. No, I thought that was... I must admit, even though I've now watched five series of this, I didn't immediately clock it when he said that. It was only when Lister went, Dave? And I was like, yeah, why did he call yeah. him Dave and not Sir or Mr. Lister? So, yeah, you're right. I think a very subtle clever way of handling it yeah phil what did you think mm. of the scene yeah it, it was really good i love the way it it cut from that him kissing the beautiful woman to and the way the camera was sort of it was very good camera work and the cut they, it was kind of coming around and then it cut and suddenly he was kissing like it kind of went around the back of him so it obscured her yeah but as it came around the other side they cut at just the right time to reveal that he was actually snogging a uh, quite disgusting looking um <laughs> no offense to any uh genetically engineered bug monsters out there but uh yeah. looking slobbery creature yeah yes quite grim mm, quite, quite grim. sloppy so... that all that slime that uh this is another thing i like to trawl the imdb trivia section <laughs> on the episodes that slime <laughs> was apparently um the uh the kind of uh jelly type lubricant that they use oh, no. on um it for inseminating cows oh god 
<laughs> Agricultural jelly, that's it. That's what it's called. Why? Out of everything you could use, why? You know, it obviously had just the right look and was not going to cause any harm to anybody, so they went for oh, that. Good God. My God. God almighty. Talk about going the extra mile for your for your program, eh? Well, BBC, you wanted this series at the time. I hope, I hope you're happy well, with the, it. Well, uh, so. interestingly, <laughs> another thing from the trivia was that this came about, uh, the writer decided to put this scene in and make uh, uh, make Craig Charles snog this this horrible monster with this jelly and this ooziness because he'd been he'd been pestering them that he hadn't had any romantic plot lines in a while and that Rimmer was getting loads of romantic plot lines. I think he had two or three where last season where he got accosted by women or uh, things. So Craig Charles was a bit like, oh, oh come on, God. give me something, give me something, give me a woman to, you know, get. And So they were basically like, you want yeah, one? Yeah, basically, yeah. They went like, oh, okay, fine, we'll give you a woman. Yeah, that woman's yeah. going to be a disgusting buzz monster dripping with slime. <laughs> One of the most dangerous things to do is complain about the material you're given to comedy writers. Yeah. That is a very dangerous move. <laughs> and needless to say, it didn't pay it off. It didn't pay off. But hey, if he if he was acting disgusted, it might have been real. But hey, he, he pulled it off. So props to Craig Charles. <laughs> On Craig Charles, it's pretty evident the guys, they've got to get out of here. They can't stay here. But we have a list of inside Starbuck and one who's still outside. So to solve the mystery of who is the siren and who is not, Rimmer decides that well, they both must play the guitar, which is a nice reference, obviously, to the start of the episode uh, where hibernated Lister can't really play. And um, like you say, we see the, well, what is the siren play really well? And then they're blasted to death so <laughs> yeah i i really liked how th this was kind of clever because it it because the siren picks up on your own perceptions and you read your reads the person they're imitating's mind basically or the person they're trying to appeal to so because dave thinks he can play well the siren version of him could play well mm. <laughs> so i thought that was quite clever it's very clever in the way it linked to the beginning as well with uh Dave actually, you know, acknowledging in his amnesiac state that he's quite terrible <laughs> at the guitar. Yeah. And then he returns to his like, I'm the best state. And that but no, he's really terrible. But because of that delusion, as you were saying, uh the siren didn't pick up on it, assumed he's Brian May, and then just <laughs> decides to rock out. Yeah. They did a lot of good setting up stuff in that opening scene that paid off in the third act i think with the kachansky yeah. reference and that and there were a few other things yeah. as well so i think it was structurally it was a really good episode mm. you know structurally yeah, as well it's, it's mm. a tall order to do in in 25 minutes of your sci-fi comedy show to get all, all all this in and they they do frequently do it well um by I me mean, managing time they do shoot down that siren but it's not over yet but wait there's more oh. um a meteor storm is approaching so the scanners say uh, but Crichton heads down to the engine room, which we've never seen in Starbug at this point before, by the way. Talk yeah. about expanded set. Starbug must be huge, bigger on the inside, because, it, it, yeah, it's massive. And uh, we see a character that is known as Professor Mamet, who is apparently Crichton's creator, who, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, we haven't seen Professor Mamet before? No? No, no we so haven't. Is... No, no. Played here by Jenny Agatha. Ah, okay. Again, neat little casting, but again, a new bit of yeah. lore, Red Dwarf lore. We have Crichton's creator, who, again, is ve Crichton very obviously susses out is a siren, 
but uh, the siren manipulates Crichton and is is programming to put himself in the in the trash compactor. So, what was everyone's thoughts on this scene then, and where the story was going? Considering there was only about five minutes left. Hmm. I was looking at the clock and being like, they do they sometimes rush some endings uh, on Red Dwarf. Oh Although God, I yeah. don't think this yeah. one was particularly badly rushed. It was. It kind of worked, I think, with with what they crammed into those five minutes. It didn't feel like they went too fast. Don't know what everybody mm. else thinks, but seemed a bit of a uh, both and a lot a logical conclusion that was pulled out of their ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, with the Crichton yeah. thing, I thought it was a good solution too because I was wondering with Crichton what they would do because he's not organic. You know, he do, he's not going to be mm. susceptible in the same way. But by appearing as his creator and sort of manipulating his programming because he's programmed to obey his creator. I thought that was a clever way of getting around how they would, how the siren would manipulate him in a in a different way to how it had done the others. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And uh, I must be honest, I am glad the finale was based around another siren rather than the supposed, you know, meteor storm that they were alerted to. Because I thought, well, yeah. that would be, you know, it's a cool little finale, but we'd already had the whole asteroid meteor thing, so I was like, oh, we're doing that again for the finale. So I did like that subversion how then the others come in and say oh it was just another siren illusion and that's the focus um but the siren manages to take well rimmer disappears because the battery's gone so that's him out and then there were two as lister Mm. says uh and the siren defeats them by bonking their heads together classic you know classic way of sorting some people out isn't it absolutely and yeah it looks like the siren's gonna win at this point but then a big cube comes along (laughs) I loved yeah. Crichton Cube. I was giggling so much. I was just like, just yeah, throws the design, himself off the, the, edge. the walk. Like it just the siren made that usual uh, villain villainous error of taking too bloody long yes. to bloody do what you need to do, and it just stood there twiddling around his straw, being like, "Hmm, good meal, lads. It's time to it's time to tuck in." And, and then it just gave enough time for Crichton to come and bean him on the head, bean her. Well, yeah. How, how do you gender an insect? I guess well, um, well, that's true. I mean, I must admit, ugh. the final sort of shot before they cut away from Crichton Cube falling, it looked a bit odd because yeah, you see the impact, you see him hit the siren, but this could just be my eyes. I don't have the best eyes, but it looked as it we didn't really see the siren like fall over. We just saw it like shudder a bit and then it cut away. I could be completely wrong, but to my eyes, it. Do you know what I mean? We saw the hit, yeah, but there maybe. was no, it didn't fall over, it didn't dis, you know, it didn't do any of that. It was just, oh, he's hit it, and now we've cut away. And assuming they've killed it. but They've killed it, yeah, assuming. Yeah, assuming, yeah. Right. I don't know. It didn't look like a very, you know, it didn't look very deaf, it just looked like a mild annoyance. <laughs> a mild irritant, yeah. But then, obviously, we're back in the, we're back in the cockpit, and for the first time, it seems, we are having a running thread for a series as they are still tracking red dwarf and they're off to find it. And the ending is Mm. not just right. Close book. We're done. It's well, we've closed a chapter, but we're still going after the main thing. So I'm, I'm intrigued because red dwarf hasn't done this so far, but what did we all think of the ending? Yeah. I like the fact that it's set up this new status quo for the show and they've got this mission. They're going to try to be trying to find red dwarf. How long it's going to take them to find it will be. Well, I know. I've seen it, but <laughs> wow! <laughs> but uh, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll yeah. see. What about you, Dom? Was it? Did you feel this was a fitting end to this sto- this episode? Well. 
Well, I mean, they couldn't exactly wrap it up in uh, uh, at the at, with the ending that it had. I mean, they could have easily have ended it, you know, just finding the ship, mm. which would have been incredibly anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that they're going about it and actually giving the series a drive and a purpose mm. and an arc of sorts is very effective, I would say. Ah, well, I'm glad it's effective because that, folks, is Series 6, Episode 1, Sirens. The story continues. But before we wrap things up, what we do, Dom, on this show, we have three regular things we do, and we'll ask you to do as well. We go through our favourite character of the episode, our funniest moment from the episode, and a score out of 10. So to start with, we'll go with our favourite characters. So Dom, who, which character was your favourite in this episode? It could be for any reason. could be that they were the funniest to you or you just enjoyed their performance the most. Uh, yeah, so who, who, who did you take to? Um, I'm going to say Amnesiac Liston. Ooh, okay, nice, nice. Because it was just the seeing... Uh, com- like, retroactively comparing what Lister is to what he became uh, at the beginning of the episode and just seeing he's realising everything about himself is fundamentally wrong as a person. (laughs) Um, His entire life is just... All the decisions he's making, like onions on cornflakes, vindaloo sauce for breakfast, he's realising it's all wrong. It's all wrong. (laughs) It's all completely wrong. And I assume that would be like the audience surrogate view of him. Um, like in the prior five series, seeing him do all this disgusting stuff and being like, dude, what? Mm. And yeah, I, I, I respect them for sending up the character that way, especially as the opening few minutes to a new series. It was very funny. God, it's a great choice for a uh, favorite character. What about you, Phil? Who, who did you take to? I'm going with Crichton. Um, nice. mostly just because he had the most lines, which I found really funny throughout the episode. Most of the times when I laughed out loud was something Crichton had said or done. Yeah. And actually, a lot of it is in that scene. It's, it's kind of, it is kind of paired up with uh, Dave being amnesiac. Yes. Uh, but I I just found the stuff Crichton, Crichton's reaction to it and, and his informing of him uh, for what he's like very funny. Probably yeah. more so, just slightly more so than Dave's reaction to it. Um, and throughout the rest of the episode, he just had, yeah, I just think he had the best lines. Ace, great choice. Mm. Um, I mean, mine is exactly the same as yours, Phil. I'm going with Crichton as well. Uh, yeah, he j- he made me laugh so much in this one. I mean, Robert Llewellyn does a great job as always, but so many lines were potentials for my funniest moment, which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, the, some of the writing he had, the execution of the lines as well. I've, I don't think I've laughed this much at a Red Dwarf in quite a while, so I've got to give it to him. But funniest moment then so dom this can be it can be a whole scene it could be a line it could be anything really just the moment to you that made you laugh the most or anything like that um i okay uh, there, there was a lot of funny moments in this episode <laughs> yeah. i really enjoyed it uh but i'll give it to uh the 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 guy who was the first victim to the siren oh yeah or last yeah, victim yeah whatever how it depends who you see because his his performance was was it was great uh, who who played him was it an actual uh, comedy actor because he feel like his face is familiar question. let's have a look on the imdb Cra- was it crazed astro do you reckon richard ridings yeah i think been, so yeah Richard Ridings, okay. I might have been in something else around that period of time, but it gave a very firm performance. Like, oh, you're irresistible. No, no, I don't want you. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, I he oh apparently he voices he voices um Daddy Pig in oh, Peppa Pig. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I, I thought that was Brian Blessed. Oh, contention! I like it. Oh, Brian Blessed is Daddy Pig. Do isn't some he? further research is here, he? folks. There's a <laughs> Brian Blessed, Peppa Pig. Brian. The answer is, isn't he Granddad Pig? Oh, he's Grampy. Oh, he's oh, okay. Grampy Pig. Oh, he's Grampy. Okay, he that is. makes sense. <laughs> Every time okay, I hear his I name, I just that. think of his... What's his chant in the Doctor Who? Varone! Or whatever it is. Like, I, oh, I love him. Who doesn't love Brian Blessed? He's awesome. Craze Astro, your funniest moment. A great scene as well. Great choice. What about you, Phil? Funniest moment? Um, I had two down. Um, a contender was Crichton's line about Kachansky and uh, Dave's ambition with yeah. her. Oh, very, very, <laughs> moving up very and down polite, rapidly while laying polite, on top of yes. this. Mm. Um, but actually, I'm going to give it to the bit where the sort of visual moment where it cuts from Dave kissing the beautiful woman to it being a uh, bug monster oh, yeah. Yeah. dripping with saliva. That um, was the funniest moment for me. Excellent. Great choice. Well, I had a few contenders. Uh, Smug Mode was a contender. Um the Starbucks crash more times than the ZX81 was a very high contender. Um, one we haven't mentioned that was a great line is Crichton when he says that he has a head shaped like an amusing ice cube because it's so true. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Self-aware. Self-aware. This show's good at that. But the moment that clinched it for me, it, it's Crichton Cube. The Crichton Cube, man. I just... I, how does he even make I, that? He doesn't I, have enough girth. I can't top that. That just, I, I couldn't stop laughing for for all that. So yeah, Crichton Cube, uh, need I say more? Need I say more? And finally, we rate each episode out of 10 scutters, which are the little droids that help service Red Dwarf. Hmm. Um, so Dom, how many scutters out of 10 would you give Sirens? Solid. Mm, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I'll give it a, a solid... I'll give it an eight. An eight. Nice, nice. Did did was there anything that you feel made it lose points or? I I mean, it's difficult to tell because I I guess it's only on the basis of I've seen funnier. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, uh, it's only really on that basis, really, in when you try to compare it with ones that you've seen or have memories of. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not the funniest one I've seen. So on that basis, it's still pretty good. So, yeah, I think eight, which is basically four out of five. Ace? No, I'm happy with that. That's a good reasoning. Phil, yourself? I'm going to give it slightly higher and give it an 8.5. Solid. I think it was a strong start to the series, a series which, in my memory, again, I haven't watched it for many years, but is one of the stronger ones. Mm. Um, So I'm leaving a bit of wiggle room there for later episodes as well. Mm. But it, I like the way it sets up a new status quo. There's some really funny moments. Uh, yeah, it was a good episode. Nice. Uh, well, once again, Phil, funnily enough, it seems I'm following you. I'm also giving it an 8.5. Strong season opener. Really like the concept of the sirens. Some great jokes in there, as we said. It, it only loses a bit of points for me. There were some of the gags that, just for me personally, and again, this Dom, this is a recurring thing I have. Some of them, I think, went were a bit too dragged out. The... Um, uh. You know, and they, they send the scouter and they see like the blood and written in whatever. Like I found, again, all subjective, of course. I found it funny when they initially said, oh, it's like his intestine or whatever. 
But yeah, that just went on a bit too mm. long for me. And there were just some other one-liners that didn't land. But on the whole, this is a very strong season opener for Red Dwarf. And I think from all I've heard about Series 6, again, this is one the fans seem to say is like a pinnacle. So I'm looking forward to see what's oh, to come. Wow. But yeah, 8.5. So seems like we all liked it. That's a, that, that's a good thing to start off your new season with. So mm. that, folks, was Series 6, Episode 1, Sirens. We hope you enjoyed our review and chat about it. And uh, Dom, thank you for joining us as a special guest. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. And before you shoot, uh, any, you know, work you do or social media, feel free to shout out. Where can we find you? Well, uh, naturally, you can find me on Twitter at DominicJGM. You could also find me on Instagram at DominusOfTime. And in terms of projects that I'm working on, etc., that sort of thing, I've recently completed a my series of audio dramas, Doctor Who based, called Doctor Who Remnants. So that is all on YouTube and also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but you can find them all through Anchor. And as well as that, I'm still working on the DW2012 series of my own incarnation of Doctor Who. That will be The Purple Doctor, and that will be coming out hopefully later this year or very early next year, whichever works. And I hear that, I hear nice. that uh, that Remnant series is very good. I mean, I mean, coming from a completely yes, non-biased a... perspective, a completely... it's got a particularly good, a particularly good uh, <laughs> a guest star in uh, in that last episode. Yeah, uh, I think I've been in a very that good form. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Just, just to uh, own up there, I am in the last episode. I think Adam was in an episode as well, weren't you? I so... am. I'm in a. <laughs> Episode three. Episode I am three. episode so, three. Yeah, so, we, we're not biased. We're tall there, obviously. No, but if you want to hear us act, <laughs> no. there we go. Yeah. We're, we're giving it. We're giving it a yeah. Stand, but and you both did very, very well. I'm oh, very well, thanks, happy Tom. with like the, how they all turned out. And honestly, I was just watching back. Like the last one, Philip, your performance was extraordinary. Oh, thank you. I have Hell to say, yeah. honestly. And Adam, you, uh the way you carried the angel uh, episode was just. Oh, bless you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, well, yeah, folks, there you go. Go and check out everything Dom just mentioned there. Go and follow him. Check out those projects. They are some top quality work. You won't want to miss it. And uh, before we shoot, Phil, where can people find you on the internet? Usual place. Just my YouTube channel is probably the best. Philip Hawkins. It's just my name. I talk about all sorts of geeky pop culture, Doctor Who mostly, but also this podcast goes up there as well as on podcast channels and things like the mcu and star trek i also talk about so if you like any of those things uh check me out on there what about you adam one what about me well you can also find me on youtube adam martin with a y and i should pop up i also make videos on doctor who as well as a whole range of other weird and wacky and niche topics uh you can also follow me on twitter adam martin amtv for daily ramblings and giveaways doing a lot of giveaways at the minute all for free so come and join the fun there and also, if you want to keep up to date with this podcast, it does have a Twitter account of its own, All Dead Dave Pod. Give us a follow for updates on uh, episodes coming, the occasional meme and GIF we do. You know, who doesn't love a good meme or a GIF? So, oh, of course. Exactly. So give us a follow over there. And uh, yeah, we have new episodes coming week after week. So I think that all is left to be said, chaps, is uh, Dom once again, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure. And Very good. Thank you. For everyone listening, uh, Goodbye from me and Phil, and we'll see you next time for Series 6, Episode 2. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.